shining a beacon on the bazaar. Steps out, kid. Oh, quietly though, make sure it's, it's gone. I'm sure it's gone. That's it. Yeah. No. It's all quiet. Big round door, mate. Right, I'm having a look. Not no, cut windows, anything lighting up at windows? No, there's nothing. No pops or whizzes or crackles. Or no fireworks. No, oh, nothing. Thank fuck, is it over? New Year's is over. Thank oh. fuck for that. <gasps> oh, thank God. I I mean, but the thing is, we had that invite to go to pub up mainland. Oh, Can you imagine anything fucking worse? I couldn't. Worse? I couldn't. You know, you just like your elbows and your body and your glasses in your face and it all stinks. And all amateur drinkers. Oh, oh. oh. All the red faces. Oh. All the shaved. Oh, no. Christmas jumpers. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's over. It's all right, I can cry it out. <laughs> cry it out. <laughs> because now we're back to the crisp clean, cold air of brand new episodes of Kraken Cove. Oh, brand new year, brand new cove. Oh, this is what we like. Oh, look at the moon, our kid. The clear waters, the stillness. There's a cold, there's a cold snap to the air. I don't mind that. I don't mind it's at fresh. all. Oh, especially after being in that fucking sweaty-ass bomb shelter, man. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He gets a bit farty down yeah, there. Oh, oh. All the bottles of cheap grog that we've been getting through <laughs> as well. <laughs> the piss. <laughs> and it's finally oh, we've drunk every drop of it. Haven't yeah, we? so it's good well, sign. That's the only reason we've come out. <laughs> <laughs> because this is Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon on the bazaar. And I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. And we're here once again to tell you some wonderful true stories, mythical legends, amazing news, all sorts of stuff like that. You know, so. Things have been pretty dull, haven't they, in the news recently? You know, you, you, you people talking about COVID all the time, which you know, I can understand. Yeah, we've got to we've got two to years of it. Keep keep them some of this shit. But, you know, we're going to wink out some of the more fun stories. Yes, baby. And we, you know, we're going to study a few things like like the moon on the water out there. See how yeah. it glows. I mean, well, to be honest, there is more than one moon glowing. Whoa, dude! What? It looks like there's something, it's not just a reflection. Those lights are coming from under the water. So what we might be studying is things that go splash in the night. Because all is not as it seems under the water on the, in the world at the moment. I think. So I think what we need to do, we need to have a bit of a nose under the sea. Today. I love going under the sea, Archie, especially when it ain't sea monsters. Something else. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to crack out the Nautilus this time. Ah. I mean, I mean, uh, we, we won't go underwater in the uh, little submarine. But an investigation underwater. We're going to have an underwater investigation. That's exactly, you know, Let me get my Columbo coat on. Yeah. Let's go, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do that a little bit later on. But for now, I think we should get ourselves into the cove, into the lighthouse, make sure everything's lit. Warmed up and ready for a nice bit of casting. What do you reckon? Aye. Kid, I've got a kettle on there, it's all hey, boiled pop, up. Pop another sugar in for us, back. I'll have three today, I'm feeling adventurous. I'll talk about popping something more in. Um, 
I mean, they just use the boulder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh. Well, it was just that little peak in between, you know, a couple of days after Christmas. You, you give me. Uh... Well, I'm just going to say for those for those who aren't up to speed yet with the episode, <laughs> our Benny has been given his little Christmas box. <laughs> He's got something to fill a Christmas box. Exactly. With. And if you need to know what Baldo is, go onto Instagram and have a look at that. Jesus, mate, it's a bit of kit, is that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's basically a, a rubber torpedo you put your bollocks in and uses a dildo. <laughs> Well, I had a bit of land leave, didn't I? You give me that day, the, the, that day of 2022, you know what I mean? You give me yeah. that one day off. Uh, went home, seat wife and that, sort of kids, everything's great. A couple of shandies, kids went to bed, you know what I mean? I last had a little sip of wine. I said I might be up in a moment, I just needed to have a little bit of a shower, freshen up. So I'm like scurried into the bathroom. Because I wanted to do the big reveal, you know what I mean? I thought, here we go. Okay, big reveal. <laughs> You're not going to slide it in halfway through, are you? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, wait for his bomb dispersal to come for you, like <laughs> Yeah, like that other fella. And obviously, I last didn't know a thing about her. She still doesn't look... Oh, anyway, I'll get him with the tail. So going and they say you've got to shave up, you know what I mean? So I'll... I'll, I'll oh. <laughs> I'm all right with that. I'm not like you kind of squeaky clean down there. I look, anyway, what? I won't go into the full <laughs> bit to it. But felt sink up, got lathered up, you know what I mean? Very carefully. Uh, and I have got shave big... Shave your bollocks? Yeah, man. I, I was shaved right round it. got big bollocks. <laughs> my big veiny balls got shaved. <laughs> and there's a big purple protruding vein on mine. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Which I'm always oh. very delicate when I'm wet shaving. Oh, like, God, <laughs> no, this is a horror story. <laughs> I've never hit that main vein. You I'm, gonna, I'm bleeding out in seconds. It's, like, it's a big pulsating. Like, it's, like, it's like one of them garden worms. It's purple. <laughs> And he does pulse it. <laughs> anyway, I'm there, squeaky clean, jumped in shower, all squeaky oh, clean. God. I thought, here we go, Baldo. And I'll tell you what, it's a good package. You know when you open it up, it opens up. It don't, you know when you have to do it oh, with yeah, scissors yeah. and all the rest of it? Pop, opened up. I thought, here we go. And there's two rings you got to get on first. So you go got to get your knackers through these two rings. And I got all of them. You know when you're squidging, I thought, God, that's harder than what I thought it would yeah, be. You know, I like it some quite soft silicone. Yeah, normally it's very squidgy. And it's got a... Fucking it's thick, I kid, you know what I mean? So I've got my two, you know, either hand in it and opened it up and thinking, right, right so I'm going to go... The parts. So it's like you're getting on a big sock. Sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, I'm going to slam dunk this straight away, both nuts through the... I got close and closer. No way, there's no way my knackers are going through that small <laughs> hole. So I think, fucking hell, I've got to pop a nut through and then the other nut, oh. you know what I mean? Mate, it got really, really bad. I, I had to thumb... <laughs> Man, I've never squished him that hard in my life. I squished one through and it popped. But then I were in, I were in, Matt. You know, I had one knacker in, one knacker out. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to stretch it. I'm stretching it again. And I mean, with all my force, I opened that thing up and then I had to thumb the other one through. And it it didn't go easy like the first one, Matt. It didn't go easy at all. I mean, I got it through. I mean, you should have seen state of them already, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, mate. There the were two, you know, like, I couldn't have got two big things in as tight as fucking you know what I mean? Fuck yeah. And that rings around me, I'm like, oh, shit. I got all that second ring and I thought, I, you know, I went for I, I can't do it, you know what I mean? I thought, I'm going to go for a torpedo, I'm just going to go straight for a yeah. torpedo, you know what I mean? I'm not fucking about now. 
Started getting, I went, and I opened the top, and there's no way I could have got it on me. Knackers are far too big. I don't know what's the matter with it. I don't big balls that you like. I'm not boasting, by the way, listeners. It's quite, a, you know, it's an appendage, really. <laughs> to get in the way. And I didn't even do it. Then I thought, I'm stuck like this now. I'm like, shit, you know oh, what I mean? Fuck hell, I mean, you could, that's, how they, that, that's how they get rid of Ram's knackers, isn't it, that? Who's knackers? She got like a sheep, like a male sheep. Oh, Jesus. They put a it? laggy band on them and like, oh, fall off no. or something because they weren't going black or they weren't going changing colour or up, but bigger, bigger and bigger mate they were in prison they were handcuffed you know what I mean <laughs> so I thought shit I can't get this off our lassies waiting here you know what I mean oh my I stretched and I had to I couldn't do it again I couldn't thumb them through I just had to go for a fucking proper pull, pull, up. pull them out you know what I mean and luckily they did funny noise. <laughs> <laughs> I got them out in tatters. I got them out. I mean, I had to lean up against wall and that, you know, with shaky you legs. <laughs> it, it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do anything that night. It were over. Every, the magic were over. I were over. What was she must have thought you were in doing it? Oh, don't know. If anyone were listening to that. Can see duck eggs oh, mate, the thumbing, the thumbing were worse, Big mate. so red knackers. Oh, it was that bit when one were in and one were out. <laughs> <laughs> and that purple oh. thing in the middle of it all. Like, oh. Whose knackers are these for? But I thought, I'm not over here. I'm, doing, I'm going back in with this one. But I promise you, I'm going to. I'm gonna tape it. <laughs> I'm gonna do a fields recording. <laughs> but the thing is that the magic is I'm gonna warm them up. You know what I mean? That's a good idea. Get all, get them all properly. Because you know, all in hot water, it's sitting. In yeah, hot yeah, water but not too hot. You know what I mean? I need them like, but not yeah. burning me bloody balls off. Uh, but if we get them hot, and it can squidge them up and pop first one, oh, pop the second, me. and then the torpedo looks. I mean, the two, the ring itself were really bad, but the torpedo were like, I was scared of it, man. I was probably <laughs> scared of it. When he, he was such a weird, <laughs> he felt so alien. You know well, I think what we should do there is we'll draw a veil over that for now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Fucking hell. I am beaten, though. I am beaten. I'm feeling sick. I'm feeling My balls sick. are beaten. God, I, tell, I tell you what, the squish, the squish more than you think they do. Oh, the thumbing oh, thing. Oh, <laughs> the squish. Oh, oh, fucking horrible, honestly, man. Honestly, so I was scared of, when I had it on. When I had fully had one on that one ring, I was scared. I mean, I had fear. I, I had to ring you up to get <laughs> some kind of pair of scissors on it. <laughs> I was scared. I don't get scared after I was scared. All right, well, I think on that, like you say, we'll draw a veil over it and uh, uh, don't and, tell our last listeners <laughs> whatever you fucking do. Don't tell our Well, this will be a lovely surprise for us. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this space. Balls out the other painful <laughs> imprisonment. <laughs> oh, segue! <laughs> because 
because we've got a little sto- a story here, right? And I love it from a from a. Uh, I don't know whether this is a uh, superhero or a newspaper, right? But it's, it's basically called the Stoke Sentinel. <laughs> the Stoke Sentinel. That's good, cool. isn't it? Can imagine on top of a church looking yeah, out, hands on, down. on hands yeah. on the hips and cape, cape fluttering. <laughs> I am the Stoke Sentinel. <laughs> don't know what's a Stoke accent. I don't. I ain't got a clue. Is it a sort of big broom I think? <laughs> yeah, Stark Sentinel? <laughs> I don't know if it's not. <laughs> but this is a story that a serial killer will die in an underground glass box after losing his freedom appeal. Whoa, whoa. That's where he's going to die. Now, so which country do you think that is? You know, you're going to say un- dying underground in a glass box. I'm going to say Chile. Yeah. It's not, it's the UK. Whoa. That's what I mean. This is serious shit. Is this, right? <laughs> and this is a story from Sean Hewitt and Dave Napper for the Stoke Sentinel. Wow. So we've got these two sleuths on the case, <laughs> you know. And it says serial killer Robert Maudsley will die in an underground glass cell after having his appeal for freedom thrown out. Dubbed the UK's Hannibal the Cannibal, he is known as Britain's most dangerous prisoner. God, I know. I'm really weird about knowing serial killers, and this don't ring a bell yet. Who this man is? That's, that's what I was like. I thought, well, I sure I should know this. You know what I mean? And he's now he's been told he will remain incarcerated in his own glass cell until he dies, and he is not permitted to make any further appeals against the decision. Jesus. The 68-year-old who murdered child molesters, right, appealed to be allowed to spend the rest of his prison days with the general population. But chiefs deemed him too dangerous to mix with other prisoners and guards at the West Yorkshire prison. Now, Wakey Prison is a fucking yeah, tough yeah, prison, yeah, is that? Yeah, it's not yeah. someone you fuck around in, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And if he's deemed too dangerous to be in the general population at the age of 68. Let's skip back a bit. He, 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 eats, he kills and eats nonsense. No, no, no. They call him Hannibal. Oh, right. They've called him Hannibal the Cannibal, but I think that's because of how he's imprisoned or where he's imprisoned. But he kills uh, child molesters. Yeah. So let's have a little dig dig a little deeper into this. He will now spend 23 hours a day for the rest of his life locked alone inside the glass box beneath the jail with just a concrete slab to sleep on, a table and chair made of compressed cardboard, and a toilet and sink that are bolted to the floor. They make him sleep on a concrete fucking yes. slab. This is just fucking bonkers, it is isn't it? bonkers. And insider said he was told no last month, but appealed against the decision and wanted to spend Christmas in the presence of other humans, oh. not just like in the presence of like family and friends. Yeah, he don't want to get out. He just wants to be with a lot of other criminals. Just be able to see anybody oh, else. Oh man, how long can he get? Being alone for that long does something to you. He isn't okay, and they cannot take the risk of what he might do. They simply cannot take that risk. That's how dangerous this guy is, right? Dubbed the UK's Hannibal the Cannibal, Robert Maudsley's glass cell is underground at HMP Wakefield. And the cell is specially constructed, 5.5 metres by 4.5 metres space, with a bulletproof glass cage around. It was built in 1983, almost 10 years after his sentence. So he's been in since 73. Wow. He was jailed for killing a number of pl- uh, people, including John Farrell, after he'd showed him photos of children he'd abused. Oh, Jesus. And Salni Darwood, a man who killed his own wife in the 70s. In, two th- in the year 2000, 
he begged courts to allow him to die. And he wrote in a letter, What purpose is served by keeping me locked up for 23 hours a day? Why even bother to feed me and give me one hour's exercise a day? Who actually am I a risk to? As a consequence of my current treatment and confinement, I feel that all I have to look forward to is indeed psychological breakdown, mental illness, and probable suicide. Why can't I have a budgie instead of flies, cockroaches, and spiders, which I currently have? I promise to love it, not to eat it. Oh, shit. Why can't I have a television in my cell to see the world and learn? Why can't I have any music tapes and listen to beautiful classical music? If the prison says no, then I ask for a simple cyanide capsule, which I shall willingly take, and the problem of Robert John Maudsley can easily and swiftly be resolved. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, this is a bit weird, though. I'm not just kind of sticking up for him, you know. He's yeah. kind of got my heart a bit because he's, he's killed a killer and he's killed a child molester, you know what I mean? But why, why is he suddenly... You know, you get some proper nutters in prison that have done evil, evil things. Why is he in the glass cage? Well, I think he's in the glass cage because it would be a, it'd be a danger to the general public, right, to start with. Yeah, he's not... But, yeah. But, but he's not getting out into the general public. Yeah. But he's in that because he's such a total danger to the rest of the prison population. Yeah. He's a danger to them. Yeah. Christ. And like it or not, they're in jail and they have to be kind of cared for and looked after. Yeah. It's like saying, well, you're in jail, but there's a, there's a wild tiger in with you. <laughs> this guy is a, is a danger to prisoners. Jesus. That's what's dangerous about Robert Maudsley. I need no more, though. Can I give him a telly? Well, I, shall, I shall give you a bit more information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maudsley was first jailed at the age of 21 after he killed someone while working as a gigolo. On that occasion, he was declared unfit to stand trial and locked up in Broadmoor Hospital. So he's obviously got an underlying... So three years later, he and fellow prisoner David Cheeseman (laughs) (laughs) barricaded themselves inside a room with with a tied-up child molester, David Francis. And the pair tortured Francis to death before dangling his body for prison guards to see. That does ring a bell, does that? And he was subsequently charged with manslaughter and moved to maximum security Wakefield Prison where he killed two other prisoners. Christ. In 1978, he strangled and stabbed Mr. Darwood, a 46-year-old who was locked up for killing his wife. And after hiding Darwood's body under a bed, he then creeped into the cell of Bill Roberts, aged 56, who had sexually abused a seven-year-old girl, and stabbed him, hacked his skull with a makeshift dagger, and smashed his head against a wall. And his current cell was built for his ongoing murders behind bars, and he will never be released. Jesus. You Jesus. thought your knackers had it bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stabbing your head in that. And, oh, God. Just mad. I know it's not particularly jolly news and stuff mm. or a story, but all I could think, the thing that I'm going to come back to as well is he's, he's, he's let the cat out of the bag a little bit about his mindset mm. when he says, Can't I have a budgie? Yeah. I promise not to eat it. <laughs> yeah, do you want to eat a budgie? <laughs> 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 
like a really little knife on fire. Like, oh, no. <laughs> Who is this guy? He's like fucking Sylvester the Cat. God. Renfield, isn't he? Yeah. Well, mean? that's what I mean. He's got proper Renfield vibe. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just gone up from spiders and yeah. cockroaches. What have you heard they're going to do a film of Renfield? Oh, right. <clears throat> from what? Ren- you know, yeah, I know who he is, but just like just on him. Just well, his it, it's the, I've forgotten who it is. It's the. Um, it's not Hammer. It's the, there's a collection of horror monsters, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. They're releasing, they're redoing the films of them all. Oh, I hope they're doing well. Oh shit, I'm scared there. Well, in the Renfield one, I can't remember they've got for Renfield now, but it looks like they've got a good actor in for it, right? Yeah. But they've also had to cast Dracula, <laughs> and it's Nicolas Cage. <gasps> <laughs> Oh man, I'm there, I'm there with it. For his roles in Mandy, I want to see Pig. Uh, man, yeah, I think he could do it. I think he could do it. I think he could he's going to do something. Yeah, he's going to do it. And he's going to have that campy kind of that Nicolas Cage. We all love that stupid grin yeah. he does and that. Ooh. Oh, that could be good, couldn't it? I yeah. tell you what, I'm a massive fan of the old Universal ones. You that's know what, what I mean? it is. Yeah. That's what I'm about. Right, Sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, the, yeah. it's the Universal collection nah. that have been re released. Oh, they're so good. I know everybody goes on about uh, Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein, but the Wolfman for me, and there's another, there's two Wolfmen. Lauren uh, Cheney Jr. Yeah, he's fantastic. And the Mummy. The Mummy, you think you know it, and you put it on and think, I don't know this film. Do you know one of my <laughs> favourites? And it always is. It's actually one of my favourite films, is The Invisible Man. I saw it last. I saw it, I saw it a few months ago, and Just, it is, it, it's it, brilliant. What a Toward a force of acting. Oh my god! And the the effects are stunning for its age. They are stunning. He's so yeah. good. Yeah, 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 really, really good. Oh my god! They're doing them all. Yeah, they're going to in really, color or black. Well, I think I think the Invisible Man's already been done. Oh my That's out. god! Um, oh. I believe because it, 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 it is. I don't know if it's part of that stale, but there is a new interpretation of the Invisible Man out at the moment. Right. Oh, there's been one a bit ago, and that I've heard I seen it yet. Yeah. They had a different kind of um, a look of it. Yeah. Um, well, you didn't know where he was. He could be in, you know, in the room, and you never. Oh, you know I that think that's what it was. Yeah. 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 But I think it, I think this is going to be different. These are actually they're going for their own version of the monster movie. Wow, so I think, so that's be really, really cool, good. man. It's be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let him rot in that little glass cell, and we'll watch the movies. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to tell him? We've got it all. We've got two. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to go to the cinema, yeah. <laughs> and we can gl- have a nice glass. Of uh, Yancey with exactly. it. Exactly. I'll get you a budgie. We'll munch some budgies. Write him a letter. Speechless. <laughs> <laughs> So now I think we need a little call back. Let's go back to a story we've covered in past a little bit. Oh, See yeah. how things are progressing. No, I like that. Because you remember the little brain cells that have uh, grown eyes? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. They, they were nice, weren't they? Yeah. You didn't like them, did you? Well, um, I won't cover another story which has happened recently, which um, the brain cells, they've, they've done something else with them and they've had a baby. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't growing well, I kid. I'm going to put first to predict this. So now what they've got these human brain cells doing, they've, they've put them all in a Petri dish, right? Yeah. And they're trying to entertain them now. <laughs> and they've got them playing Pong. Oh, God. And they've said it, a human brain cells grow in a Petri dish and they'll learn to play Pong faster than artificial intelligence can. Whoa. So the mini brains fire off neurons to move the paddle back and forth according to the location of the ball in the video game. 
How can they do this? It's in a petri dish and they're it's controlling something on a TV and they're seeing yes. the TV and the, they're playing pong. But now this is a great name here by Stacey Liberator. What a Jesus. name. But unfortunately, it's for the Daily Mail, oh, right. which is a bit bad. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of human brain cells grown in a petri dish have found a new meaning in life. They spend the day playing the retro video game Pong. So Australian scientists at Cortical Labs taught the cells to play in just five minutes. Oh, wow. Which is faster than artificial intelligence that picks up the game in 90 minutes. That's how long it takes AI oh, to learn how to play wow. Pong, right? The system called, get this now, Dish Brain is <laughs> <laughs> uh. comprised of brain cells grown on top of microelectrode arrays that can both stimulate the cells. To teach the mini brains Pong, the team used a single player version of the game and sent electrical signals to either the right or left of the array to indicate where the ball is. Yeah. So it's kind of sort of say like they'd stimulate the left or right hand side of this cluster, right? The, Are they watching it? How do they know what it is? Are they actually looking at a TV? The, the brain isn't. No, the brain's yeah. feeling the electrical symptoms. So, for example, yeah. imagine a dish, a, 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 a lump of matter. Yeah, yeah. And they stimulate either the left or the right-hand side of it to yeah. show where the ball is. Yeah, but the ball goes everywhere. you got to see in Pong, it's well hard, isn't it? Well, yeah, but eventually it yeah. sort of hits some one point of... Oh, you know, right, yeah. And so the brain would then fire off neurons to move the paddle back and forth according to the location of the ball. That's insane. Yeah. So I think what they're doing is that it, they might be able to track where the ball's headed, sort of like with electrical signals, and then it's yeah, on it to put the paddle there to deflect yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah. Brett Kagan, chief scientific officer for Cortical Labs, who leads the research, told New Scientist, we think it's fair to call them cyborg brains. <laughs> we often refer to them as living in the matrix. Oh. When they're in the game, they believe they are the paddle. I mean, this is the chief scientific officer saying shit like this. Oh, that's so weird. So technically, that thing can be thinking, and it just believes. It's like it's like the most basic version of Tron, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. There is no ball, but there is a paddle. You're the paddle. Put <laughs> on the paddle. Yeah. So while playing Pong, patterns of activity across the neurons are determined by the mini-brains as the paddle moves left to right. And the virtual world where the video game is played responds to this activity. And the electrodes feed helps the mini-brains learn how to operate the paddle. So they're saying though that the AI can play this as well. Yeah. I don't know that I don't know if they've got AI playing the brains because after ninety minutes, once they've learned how to play AI, it shits all over the brains. Yeah, it yeah. just gets faster and faster and better and better and better. Yeah. But then again, the other ones—I mean, that's like a giant supercomputer, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is just a, a bowl full of fucking gristly meat. Twitching. When you think about it, that shit game we had when we were kids—you could play single player on that, and it was fucking really good. Yeah, <laughs> gameplay, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> like, even a computer. <laughs> wonder, what, wonder what game they'll be playing a bit further on then? Do you think? I mean, can you imagine that teach them to play Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> It's gonna be though, in it. What would they get up? That'd be so interesting to see what they got up to. If it was worse than what I've done on it. <laughs> well, recently, I mean, talking of AI, what they do is it was in the. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if it was Siri or one of these devices, which sort of like you know, uh, um, you have that you want to play games or you've got a standalone device. Yeah. It's told a, a child. Oh, to put a coin in the electric yeah. so socket, haven't it? I saw the headline. I didn't read it. To be honest, no, with you. and he, he, I think. What the fuck 
fuck's going yeah, on there then? Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. Siri, I've never messed around with it. I've never had it on my phone or fucking anything. I don't. Well, like you don't need it on your phone. It's yeah. there anyway. Yeah, but you got to activate, and you to talk to you. Yeah, I, you should be listening. But they always listen the phones, but I just yeah, don't want to talk. Talking oh, no, to no, I've I had it active for a while and I stopped. So, but the difference is then I had things happening with me yeah. which recently has been happening the phone has just been basically reacting to what I've been saying oh massive if I keep on going about Range Rovers you know once a day yeah there'll be all sorts of Range Rover yeah. bullshit all over my phone man you say the word because you'll probably be able to access your bank account and realise <laughs> yeah. bullshit loser loser you <laughs> 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 be like Tonka Toys won't you yeah. like some matchbox sell you a micro scooter or something yeah. oh shit <laughs> let's find your pay scale kid <laughs> I have no dollar. <laughs> bottom of barrel, bottom of barrel. <laughs> Exterminate. <laughs> no, Siri, no. Ever teach sort of like artificial intelligence? Well, not AI, but I mean like um, artificial brains. Do you think can read? Well, eventually, it can do all by sounds if it's playing pong. I wonder how big they're going to grow them. Well, they could be life size. What a big fucking massive brain, planet yeah. size brain, <laughs> doing all thinking for us. But they're putting me some weird body, aren't they, and stuff. So God, I think it's un- unstoppable, oh. isn't it? Oh, this is fun, isn't it? It is, it's pretty grim, is all this. It's going to get out of hand. Well, maybe what we're, a book we need to go back to then. We need to look mm. back for, for, to learn from the past. If we need to go back and read the old manuscripts and grimoires and old. <laughs> for example, the Codex Gygas. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> Got it on Kindle, kid. Yeah. <laughs> See, move it. Shit. <laughs> this is just from Wikipedia. And one thing I will say about Wikipedia is, um, I mean, we're, we're not very rich here on the on the code, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do donate to Wikipedia every month. Uh, and if you're gonna if you're gonna donate to one thing, fuck's sake, just just chuck a couple of quid at Wikipedia, please. Because can you imagine if Wikipedia just stopped? Yeah, we're all balls. Yeah, that's it, you know, I don't know why I'm. <laughs> I milk that teat like it's going out of fashion. <laughs> But I just love it. It's, yeah, it's just a it's great resource. Good. The people who sort of support it and, and contribute to it are brilliant. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, this is from Wikipedia. So, the Codex Gygus, right, which is Czechoslovakian for giant book, <laughs> <laughs> is the largest extant medieval illuminated manuscript in the world. <laughs> so, this is a book which is a height of 92 centimetres. So, it's nearly a metre tall. Gee whiz. And it's very large illuminated Bibles were a typical feature of the Romanesque monastic book production. But even within this group, the page size of the Codex Gygus is noted as exceptional. So this is just about the biggest. But it's also known for something else. Because the manuscript is also known as the Devil's Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Due to its highly unusual full-page portrait of Satan. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the legend surrounding its creation. Now, the manuscript was created in the early 13th century in the Benedictine monastery of Podlatsis in Bohemia, now a region in the modern-day Czech Republic. And the manuscript contains the complete Vulgate Bible, as well as other popular works, all written in Latin. 
Now, between the Old and New Testament are a selection of other popular medieval reference works. Josephus's Antiquities of the Jews and De Bello Iodaccio, Isidore of Seville's Encyclopedia Etymologiae and the Chronicle of Cosmas of Prague and medical works, an early version of the Ars Medicinae. <laughs> mm, hello. <laughs> <laughs> com- uh, com- a compilation of treatises, right? And two books of Constantine the African. Now, the one thing I found weird about this is one thing missing out of the book. Oh. The book of Genesis is missing. Wow. Which I find very odd, right? It is not it for Bible. Yeah. Oh, a start. <laughs> so the size of the book, the Codex bookbinding, is wooden boards and covered in leather with ornate metal guards and fittings. So it's 92 centimetres long, 50 centimetres wide, and 22 centimetres thick. So that's 36 inches by 20 inches by 8.7 inches. God. And it's the largest known medieval manuscript, weighing in at, you now get this, a 74.8 kilos or 165 pounds in weight. Right? Yeah, you got to tell me in stones, right? Don't matter with me. <laughs> <laughs> you got fucking Scooby Doo, what that is. Right, I <laughs> Do you know how to figure it out and everything? Yeah. Fucking shit. <laughs> so that weighs 12 stone. 12 stone? <laughs> <laughs> That's a chubby book. Right, you see oh. that press there? Yeah. I won't ask you to lift that, right? But uh, Ben's looking at my uh, my 1920s uh, Art Deco printing press, right? That weighs 12 stone. Jesus. So, it's weighs, so to actually oik that thing about it weighs a fucking oh my ton. my God. Right? 12 stone. 12 stone. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> That's a fatty bum bum. Yeah. Wow. And it's... So yeah, it weighs 165 pounds. So the Codex Gygus is composed of 310 leaves of vellum. Made from the skins of 160 donkeys. Oh, <laughs> men of ass. And when it's spread out, the entirety of it's 142 square metres. Jesus. Which is fucking massive, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's loads of the, the the letters, illuminated letters are amazing. They're very, very beautiful. What do you mean by illuminated? Illumination means like, you'd say, for example, you Colored do a gigantic... In. Well, yeah, but it's like they do like a giant... Say, for example, if you said the first line was, and in the beginning, yeah. the A would make massive wow, on the yeah, page. Yeah. And colour it and, in. And the colour it in and do little <laughs> things on it. Yeah, colour it in. <laughs> so the 20 initials with the letters in blue with vine decorations in red and with the exception of the portraits of the devil, an author portrait of who they think might have made it, and a squirrel perched on top of an initial, oh. all the other illuminations displayed uh, geometrical or plant-based forms rather than human or animal forms. Mm. Now, all the other manuscripts and all the other books and things like this at the time, they're well known for little beasts, ma- magical beasts, yeah. strange little things moving in and out, people... All sorts of stuff. No, with yeah, this it's one, got one squirrel. Rest of its plans. It's, it's got the squirrel. It's got the uh, the portrait of the author. Oh yeah. And then it has the picture of Satan. Christ. That's what it has, and that's why it's, it seems a very very weird thing. There is actually two images representing heaven and earth during creation. And this is odd as well because the time it was written. If you think about this, it's sort of twelve hundred odd. It was written. Yeah. Heaven and earth are represented as blue and green circles. Mm. So they're actually sort of almost, you could argue, 
representation of the planets there. Mm. So that's another thing that's a bit unusual about yeah, them, right? Uh, and the, the codex has a unified look as the nature of the writing is unchanged throughout, showing no signs of age, disease or mood on the part of the writer. Uh, now to break that down, quite often these books are actually written by many, many people. Yeah, yeah. This was obviously written by one person. Gee, yeah. And it didn't change, for example, his handwriting didn't get wobbly towards the end or anything yeah, like yeah, that. It just that. stayed unified. God. And this may have led to the belief that the whole book was written in a very short time. Yeah. Now the illustration of the de devil, right, is about 50 centimetres tall, incredibly rare at the time. And directly opposite the devil is a full-page depiction of the kingdom of heaven, thus juxtaposing the contrasting images of good and evil. The devil is shown frontally, crouching with arms uplifted in a dynamic posture. He is clothed in a white loincloth with small, comma-shaped red dashes. These dashes have been interpreted as the tales of ermine furs, right? A common symbol of sovereignty. Ermine fur. Ermine fur. So if you like, ermine is the winter uh, fur of, I think it's not a ferret, but it's of, of a, oh. Oh, like a creature like that. Oh, yeah, ermine, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> cool. And so if you see... He's got furry underpants on. <laughs> He's got furry underpants on, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> but do you know when you, if you see like picture Henry VIII he's got a big white collar with little oh, dashes on yeah, it that's yeah. ermine ah got right. you now yeah. and, it's, and it's saying as well so because of that it's a symbol of sovereignty oh so he's king devil it's king devil Whoa. yeah right his no tail and his body arms and legs are of normal human proportion but his hands and feet end with only four fingers and toes each terminating in large claws both his claws and large horns are red. <laughs> he has a large, dark green head, and his hair forms a skull cap of dense curls. The eyes are small with red pupils, and his red-tipped ears are large. His open mouth reveals his small white teeth, and two long red tongues protrude from the corner of his mouth. Two. This doubling of tongues evokes negative associations with serpents. I bet you go negative all. <laughs> <laughs> Not for everyone. <laughs> Which have forked tongues. And a metaphorical reference to the dishonest human beings. The expression forked tongues is an ancient one and is found in the Bible. Now, would you like to see this oh, horror? Oh, let me get glory, my right? bright glasses on first. Here we go. Now remember, this is a, de a depiction of fucking evil here. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's shite. <laughs> I'm going to do better with my toes. Give me a crayon now. I'd smash that. Nice furry pants, though. <laughs> pants at best bit. He's <laughs> got a green head. Like snake, because those two tongues coming out. Oh, like his googly eyes as well. You know those eyes you put on, like, a potato? They'll stick on eyes. and They're going totally wrong way. Yoks are all over the shop, aren't Yeah, he's funny, isn't he? funny, yeah. the size of his head. What's, what's that bit? That's like, like a curly, curly crown of something like his little locks. He's got oh, like hair he's got an egg on his head or something. Yeah, that's it. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally that, yeah. <laughs> so according to legend, the Codex was created by Herman the Recluse in the Benedictine monastery of Podlasses near Crudim in the Czech Republic. 
The monastery was destroyed sometime in the 15th century during the Hussite Revolution, and records in the Codex end in the year 1222. So shortly after it was written, that mm. book, it was pawned by the Benedictines to the Cistercian monks. Jesus Christ, what a little smack or something. <laughs> 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 fucking guitar, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. What you do? I haven't even lifted it. Oh, no. And it's, uh, So the Cistercian monks of the Sedlak Monastery got it, right? And it remained there for 70 years. But the Benedictine Monastery of Brevnov reclaimed the Bible around the end of the 13th century. And from 1477 to 1593, it was kept in the library of a monastery in Brumov until it was taken to Prague in 1594 to form part of the collection of the Emperor Rudolf II. And from 1649 to 2007, the manuscript was kept in the Swedish Royal Library in Stockholm. But on the Friday the 7th of May in 1697, a fire broke out in the royal castle in Stockholm, which destroyed much of the royal oh library. God. But the Kodak's Gygus was thrown out of a window, <laughs> right, according to the vicar Johan Eriksson, who wrote about the fire some 50 years later. And it landed on... <laughs> Oh, completely twatted him. That's like a cursed story. You could do a movie of these, can you? just walking past oh, you could do it in a 12, 12 stone book. <laughs> it's like something oh. fucking. What's oh. his name? Like Monty Python, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's totally oh. Python, yeah. yeah. Did he kill him? No, no, he Jesus. didn't kill him. Just, just, badly, just badly twatted him, right? Man. And so I think that this Herman the Recluse was the single scribe who wrote it all, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, according to the one version of a legend that was already recorded in the Middle Ages, the scribe was a monk who broke his monastic vows and was sentenced to be walled up alive. God. In order to avoid this harsh penalty, he promised to create, in one night, a book to glorify the monastery forever, including all human knowledge. Wow. Near midnight, he became sure he could not complete this task alone, so he made a special prayer. Not addressed to God, but to the fallen angel, Lucifer. Asking him to help him finish the book in exchange for his soul. Oh, God. The devil completed the manuscript and the monk added the devil's picture out of gratitude for his aid. <laughs> I mean, gratitude, that's a shit picture, is <laughs> He's doing all that right. <laughs> well, thanks for all that, I'll just do a quick drawing of you, Mike. Uh, no, no, don't rush off. Yeah, just hold still. Give me a crack. Can you just pull the crack between your toes, please? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Now, what do you think? Oh, stop crying, <laughs> Satan. <laughs> but it is estimated that reproducing only the calligraphy, which is only the writing, not yeah. none of the drawings, none of this, without the illustrations or the embellishments, would have taken, right, in, in Sifford non-stop writing, you didn't stop writing from start to finish, how long do you think it would take? I think it's got to be years and years, because you have to dip all ink, you know, your pen in the ink, and yeah. even just writing if you had a ballpoint pen, you know what I mean? So I'm going to say 12 years. 20 years of non-stop Jeez. writing to do 20 that. 20 years of non-stop? Is that going to sleep? Is that 24? No, no, that would be 20 years of non-stop writing. No so 24 sleep, hours a day? 24 hours a day, oh. seven days a week, all, all year long. Jesus. That's how long it would There's take. There's something wrong there, though. You're right. Something. You could not keep your, your pen. You'd change a little bit, wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Something would happen where you wouldn't be able to keep that... Um... You know, the consistency would alter. It would, yeah. it would change. There'd be a different style. There'd be different things. Christ. Your illuminations would change. Down, up, up, down, up. <laughs> <laughs> 
it came up. <laughs> this is it. So there's something oh. not wrong with the Codex Guidus. Wow. You know, and it's and it is a strange novel, and the fact that it actually there's no um, genesis in that. Yeah. Very well. What the I chapters thought. are, though, what else is in there? There was some lost. There's all the rest of the Bible. But, it, but, yeah. but what they're saying is, well, there's the entirety of the Bible with added work as well. There's other books oh, within it. Oh, God. But what they seem to have done is they've slipped other books in between the New Testament and the Old Testament. Too. Yeah. So they've included all kinds of treaties at the time, which were of immense importance. Wow. Now, the power and importance of a book at the time, we can, we can guess to yeah. a certain extent. Um, but. We can't really fully know because, for example, like Northumberland during the, a similar time to that, right, became immensely wealthy. The monks around that area of Northumberland, and the reason they became immensely wealthy is the amount of cattle they had, right. and land and yeah, space, yeah. right, to sort of like to 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 graze his cattle. Because the reason that it was so important was the cattle, and same as this, it's to make cow skins into vellum ah, paper. Right, yeah. And then all the monks then would get to work and make books. Massive ah. books, very much like the Codex Gygus. Wow. But these were valued so much by kings because it seems to me that in the same way as actually building a, mon uh, building a church or a chapel, you'd sort of be putting towards saving your own soul. Yeah. These monarchs were actually commissioning these books, mm -hmm. and by having such an amazing and important book created, they were sort of almost guaranteeing their own soul. Yeah, so but, you built a church, you put something in it as well. You know yeah, what I mean? that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but what was actually happening? There were there was they were commissioning these books, but it's payment because they couldn't probably afford to pay in gold. Yeah. They'd pay in land. Wow. So these these monks became immensely land wealthy. Yeah, yeah. And it created its own almost like a, it's the equivalent of like the industrial revolution of a time. Right. Was okay. just about books and land and the creation of these amazing huge wow. massive books. So Henry VIII spoiled it all. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly what was the occurrence. Oh, the dissolution yeah. of the monastery just smashed that up wow. because he realised that the, the too the, powerful, too much land, too much land. Exactly. And he loved his Billy Beef, didn't he? <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> so he ate all blue cows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to read any books. I want some moo cow. <laughs> cow pies for him, like desperate Dan. <laughs> so yeah, so this is the thing. It's wow. in, which you, in a weird way, he did break up the monopoly of the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, with the with the invention of that, not too far. I'm not too sure where the Gutenberg press comes into that day wise. Mm -hmm. But with the invention of the Gutenberg press. Big press, of course. Illuminated books were sort of suddenly a thing of the past. Have you ever seen um, Seventh Seal, like Roman Pulaski and Johnny Depp? Um, I, I, is it Seventh Seal? Is it Seventh Gate? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Seventh Gate or something like that. Yeah, it's about some damned booker. Yeah, there's it? three yeah. books together. You, you, you kind of get this. You've got all three copies. You can read. You know the in between uh, crap right. and that. But quite a good film actually. It's quite a haunting bit taste good, to it. Yeah, he's got a good good flavour, hasn't he? Yeah, I've only yeah. seen it once, uh, and he was oh, a lot of years back. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I don't mind that movie. It's one of those, if it's on or flicking through and see it, yeah. oh, I can't look watching a little bit of it. It's good. But yeah, it's yeah. it's he's. I mean, some some of these ancient books they are just astounding to look oh, at. Man, I'd love. You know what I mean? That is the ultimate in it. You know, he's like he's like a movie, and it getting older. One of them, or having a little leaf through it. In that, I wouldn't be able to read it though. It's all yeah. in Latin. I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Make it up. Just get Google Translate on it. At least we've got some pictures of our eye. I'm weary for the springtime when we take the road once more for the planting and the purling and the berry fields of blur. We'll meet up with our kinfolk 
From all the world around When the gang of bird folk take the road And yellow's on the broom When yellow's on the broom When yellow's on the broom And I'll get you on the road again When yellow's on the broom I think it's time now for us to visit those strange lights. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Well, they call it. It's not a UFO. It's something else. We call them a USO now. What's the S for? Unidentified submerged. Oh, right. I'll take it piss. I thought you'd see. Yeah, but I mean, let's face it. They're all just terms for it. You can call it, you know, undersea sort of what you want to call it. But I think, I think that's the the sort of meaning for it. But I think what's people starting to realise now is. Something's going off. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think rather than looking to the skies for something weird happening, they're realising, you know, I think they've been following their own trail all this time. Something's happening under the sea. So we've got a nice piece here by uh, Kyle Mizokami for Popular Mechanics, and it's the bizarre history of underwater USO. Sweet. Yeah. In October 2019, US Navy Commander David Fravor who was the subject of a New York Times article about his 2004 UFO sighting, discussed a spooky new sighting a fellow pilot revealed to him after they were both out of the Navy. According to Fravor, the witness was a former pilot of the MH-53E Sea Dragon, the Navy version of the Marine Corps CH-53E Sea Stallion. So it's just a type of helicopter, a big old helicopter. As far as I can tell, by the way. And it was based at a naval station, Roosevelt Roads, on the island of Puerto Rico. Twice while recovering spent practice munitions out of the water, the pilot spotted a weird underwater object. Now, so spent practice music, uh, munitions, you know what they might be? I was thinking shell casings first, but it won't be. No, it's things that won't go off. So it's actually things like dummy torpedoes and stuff like that. Now, even though you know the dummies, they cost a fuck of a lot of money, you know, because they've still got the motors, they've still got sort of like targeting, you know, doing search and rescue for them rather than absolutely right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you actually you asked me that's the right way of doing things. Yeah, definitely. Recycle, dude. Yeah. So in the first incident, the pilot saw a dark mass underwater as he and his team were retrieving a flying practice drone. Now, I've looked at these practice drones as well. They're fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, they look just like cool jets. They look yeah, like a proper man. jet plane. Oh, wow. But the mini, kind of like a mini <laughs> jet plane. The pilot described the object as a big mass, kind of circular, and he was certain it wasn't a submarine. In the pilot's second sighting, a practice torpedo the pilot was sent to recover was sucked down into the depths of the ocean in the presence of a similar underwater object, and the torpedo was never seen again. Wow. Elsewhere in the interview, Fravor reveals that a 79-year-old woman contacted him after his sighting went public. The woman explained that her father, a naval officer, was at one time based at a naval station in San Francisco in the 1950s. When she was a child, her father showed her a telegram that stated unidentified objects had been sighted going in and out of the water at a now-forgotten set latitude and longitude coordinate. The woman's father told her, We get these all the time, and it's always in the same area. These sightings are similar to Fravor's own sightings. According to the retired Navy pilot, the only reason he has seen the now infamous Tic Tac UFO was because it was hovering 
over a mysterious larger object that was sighted underwater. Jesus, that's what focused him in on it. That's exactly wow. what it was, yeah. Fravor describes the object as a cross-shaped, and it was approximately the size of a Boeing 737 jetliner. He has further described the water above it as though it were, now you like this, as though it's boiling or frothing. Because <laughs> this is the major thing that happens with these, these Jeez, machines. It's like the energy off them, isn't it? And he, said, and he said the object disappeared after it caught his attention. Well, what they're saying with this is it is actually a lot of the propulsion systems, they're talking about how they're doing it. It's almost like a like a, um, like a gravity disruptor. Sort of yeah. So it disrupts or, or completely dissolves the gravity gravitational field within the front of them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, kind of falling into hollow space. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're thinking it's happening underwater too. God. It's creating like a, a disturbance or a, a, yeah. a, a disruption in the actual Whatever water. Whatever it is, space, air, water, it's still going to be the same. It's just, yeah. Yeah, that's what's happening. I've heard it before that they can fly in and out of water like there's no difference between air and water. That's it, yeah. Just like, well, it's, it's a strange thing because I was actually, um, I thought, I got thinking to myself, you know, you know, when I talk about gas giants as, as mm. planets and things like this, you know, and the, and the size of the planets, and I looked into what is a gas giant and really what, what it is because they do have a solid core. I always thought, oh, they just yeah. gas all the way down. Yeah, yeah. And it isn't. These, these planets, they start off as a you know you're going through an atmosphere and the atmosphere yeah. just gets denser and denser and denser until it eventually becomes solid wow. and then as it gets towards the core of the planet it becomes obviously super dense yeah. but there's no gradient density like us you go through and you hit land yeah. there's no there's none of that so they've just decided oh well people get well, nothing can live there then Wow. But who's to say, you know, I mean, we don't know what could live under these conditions. Yeah. It's not conditions that life as we know it could thrive yeah, or, or, yeah. or survive or create, you know, or come about. But it's not to say it can't happen. Mm. You know, there is something to live on. There is something under there. If you've got fucking brain matter playing Pong, you could certainly have some on brain matter on another you know, bloody world. Well, if you think as well there that these, the, the UFOs that we're talking about, they're travelling just between two states of sort of like being, as in water and air, something. Yeah. So it's not there. Yeah, yeah. So then they might just think, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing to it. Yeah, and yeah. weirdly enough, actually, that's what we're saying. H.G. Um, Wells' the War, War of the Worlds, that was the implication there, yeah. was that the almost like the aliens, as they invaded, couldn't tell the difference between water and air. Oh, it was cool. just the same to them. It yeah. just, you know. So and I thought, wow, that's a bit of an interesting little sort of sideline, you know. In 1970, biologist Ivan Sanderson published the book Invisible Residence. Sanderson, a noted student of unusual phenomena, devoted the book to sightings of what were later called unidentified submerged objects, or USOs. USOs are defined as unknown craft that are sighted in the water, sighted rising up out of the water or diving into the water. Sanderson catalogues scores of reports of USOs. On the 19th of April 1957, crew members aboard the Kitsukawa Maru, a Japanese fishing boat, spotted two metallic silvery objects descending from the sky into the sea. The objects, estimated to be 10 metres long, were without wings of any kind. As they hit the water, they created a violent turbulence. The exact location was reported. And Sanderson also reports an incident that reportedly took place off the coast of Puerto Rico in 1963 during an anti-submarine warfare exercise. The manoeuvres were conducted off Puerto Rico in the Atlantic, some 500 miles southeast of the continental United States. All reports seem to agree that there were five small naval vessels concerned, so there were just five ships in the, yeah. in the area. 
But in the more than one account, the aircraft carrier Wasp is stated to have been the command ship. A sonar operator on one of the small vessels, otherwise listed as a destroyer, reported to his bridge that one of the submarines had broken formation and gone off in what appeared to be the pursuit of some unknown object. This operator did not know, of course, that this was a plant, since the manoeuvre they were engaged in were exercises designed to train personnel in detection of enemy craft. However, this operator's report was not all within the limits of any such simulation. The trouble was that the subaqueous object was travelling at over 150 knots. Oh my. So that's the equivalent of 150 miles an hour underwater. So that really falls into exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. There's something that can do something with water. Because yeah. the problem we have, we have as well is obviously there's drag. Yeah. But then there's friction. Because yeah. then the, the water itself, if you're travelling too fast, it will get hot too. So it's like ah, you've got issues yeah. with it. According to Sanderson, no less than 13 aircraft, including anti-submarine warfare patrol craft, tracked the high-speed unknown object. And furthermore, it is said that technicians kept track of this object for four days and then manoeuvred around, about, and to depths of 27,000 feet. So what they're saying here is, well, because these, these warships, there's so many of them in the area, and so many of them were tracking it, yeah. and so many had the technolo technological advances, which were the, the highest in, mm, in the world at yeah. the time, they could actually stop, like, keep a track and say, are you seeing this? Yeah. Are you seeing this? Yeah. Oh, Everybody's seeing it. The USS Wasp was indeed an anti-submarine warfare carrier in 1963 and served in the Atlantic Fleet until decommissioning in 1972. Unfortunately, Sanderson doesn't provide any sourcing for the incident, nor is there any information about it posted on the internet. Now, you could argue, yeah, that's it, but it, it could just be classified. Yeah, exactly, you know, it's military, yeah. yeah. So off the coast of Half Moon Bay, California, an eyewitness reported that in 2007 she observed three UFOs while aboard the cruise ship Dawn Princess. Ooh. And she says, after about five minutes, three softly glowing objects came into view. Three uniform, nearly spherical objects, evenly spaced in a line parallel to the ship's hull. And hovering just above the water surface, they appeared to stay in one place while the ship moved past them. They were hovering, but didn't disturb the water below them. And just as they went out of my sight, the left one towards the bow splashed down into the water and disappeared. So one report logged in April 2019 states that an object resembling a small white boat flew up out of the water near Imperial Beach, California, at about 500 feet. Then the object promptly flew south at a very high rate of speed. So whatever USOs are, figments of the imagination, mechanical malfunctions, secret government craft, or even the work of extraterrestrials, there's a long history of sightings. Mm. So these, these, that's a, just, I mean, that's only a shot, shot yeah, few yeah. there. But I mean, if, it's been one of those things that talked about USOs for ages, but not in, a, in the same way as UFOs. It's mm. always just been thinking, oh, do you know what? I've seen something in the sea, something a bit weird. Yeah. And a lot of people, when, when I heard these conversations, people thought, oh, is it a UFO that crashed? Yeah. That's what they're presuming. But what do you think? Well, to me, I agree with you. When it first came out, I just thought, all right, there's UFO notes. And they all get a bit silly sometimes as UFOs. And I won't say I got bored with it. And no. you see a new example of it, you're thinking, oh, they just reinvented the UFO. I still go back to that the book that you bought me many, many Christmases ago, The Kraken Wakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the yeah. idea, it opened my mind to it. You think if you were an alien. Technology, you know, if you're an alien race and you wanted to yeah. come either the, the destroyers or to come down peacefully or to observers, 
you want have a have a base at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. And then you can just peekaboo up, get what you want, have a look at things, peekaboo back down again, you know what I mean? It's a perfect cover, isn't it? Well it is. I mean it's, it's also have you heard of Lake Vostok? Is that the deep one in Russia? That's the deep frozen over one in Russia, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, they've got loads of sightings of weird shit. They've got weird shit about, but they haven't been into the ice. It's never, it's never de- defrosted. They've never right. gone into this ice. They've, and I think it's something like about a mile deep. The ice is something mental <laughs> like this. That, that, but what they're wanting to do, because it's the sense of complete virgin sort of territory there. Yeah. The, the, there was a big argument about that they didn't want to drill into Lake Vostok because mm. we could contaminate what could be completely pristine, perfect life forces, all which wow. could be under there. Yeah. Just, just different, like could be like different sharks or fish yeah. or, or creatures. Or something. Anything, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. But they didn't want to contaminate it with the outer world yeah. because it could have basically evolved under there on its own. Wow. Yeah. But now what they've found, they've done scans. They thought, right, what we'll do is rather than be more sensitive, is we'll scan the yeah, scan yeah. it and see what we can see is down there. Or at least densities, and they found a magnetic anomaly between the the earth or the ground or the base yeah, of, yeah. of it. And what they're thinking is they're thinking the Earth's cr- crust under there is thinner. Wow. There's something going on that's super super strange at the base of Lake Vostok, yeah. and it could even be the case that things can get in and out underneath oh, through caves wow. into Lake Vostok. Oh. So nobody knows what's yeah, in there, man. but. Alien base. Yeah, it oh, could be anything like sweet. that. The, the lovers, um, like arms, though, don't you? Obviously, you know, when it first really kicked off, it's about, you know, making the atomic bomb. Uh, you see a lot of, you know, the uh, Foo Fighters, you know, it's yeah. about, and then, you know, that bit with those new torpedoes. Some of like, whoa, I'm schnaffling one of these. Yeah, guys. That's you know, what's it. this you've got? You know, I mean, it's it? whipping it away and dismantling it, and then they'll probably be scratching their going, there's no explosive in this. Yeah, what what is it? It? yeah. yeah. But even down to nuclear weapon silos, you know, I saw the other day, you know, like there's about eight or ten, you know, that have literally been shut down by something. Yeah. You know what I mean, someone shut them down, and obviously, you know, people saying it's UFOs and stuff. Oh, underwater UFOs. Underwater UFOs, yeah. yeah it's it. fascinating, though, isn't it? I, I still, you know, I, I, I'm past that bit when they're coming from Venus in the little spaceship and the little greys and all that, but just that interdimensional beast, you know, that's kind of got a foot in here. You just think, is it something like that? Some observing us, some kind of drone thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you know what I thought about it? Because there's a new, is it, is it the James Webb telescope that's just opened? Oh, I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. You know, it's, it successfully opened its, uh, its, it? its sun shield or whatever Sweet. it is. Yeah, so that's. But I thought, right, you know, when the look's really far away, right, into yeah. the distance, they're actually looking back in time, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, that's it. But what happens if they, if they look back in time and say, oh, my God, there's a giant mirror over there, right? Uh-huh. And they look to their, they focus their telescope into the mirror. Would they then be seeing Earth? Oh, man, that's of, far out. Billions of years back. Whoa. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's mashing my head, is that? <laughs> See, in, we go up, we, that's my finger, and that's the mirror. That looks at that. Fucking hell, man. That's absolutely <laughs> trashing my brain. Because it'd be like a, sort of, it's like a pulp sci-fi thing, innit? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like if they sort of said, yeah, there's a giant mirror out there, and you, they could see something reflective. <sighs> and in that reflection, they could see Earth as it was back then. Oh. We could see God up there fanning around <laughs> doing stuff. do 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 Smoking. I'll take that rib out and... I'm a bit sleepy on the 7th. <laughs> <laughs> What do you stare at, you bunch of cunts? 
but yeah, that was just like a, a side note to be able yeah, to see yeah. what was going on, you know. Because oh, we haven't got a Scooby Doo, but again, is it a coincidence that all this is kind of happening, or we're getting nearer to it, or more into it, and then we've got that bloody shed on the moon, which China must be crawling to soon. You know, that yeah, lunar day is going to end it. soon. It's going to get there, isn't it? Taking giant, on bloody sweet time. Like, exactly, there. giant telescopes opening up in space. You know what I mean? Are we on the verge of some answers? I, I think we definitely are. We're on the verge of some answers. They've been softening us up now. For the yeah, it does feel like it tenderising. Yeah, yeah. And there's even like they've uh, been studies like look at like a load of religious people involved with it saying you know how would humanity you know tech the news you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think well closest is like a godlike thing, isn't it? You know how people will behave. It's like we believe in a god. Yeah. <laughs> so you might as well ask the god people. You know? Yeah, I think <laughs> so. I'd say what is what is a god after all apart from something of great power that which is better than us, which has yeah. power over our destiny, over life and death. Yes. Mm, <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> Staying on that same subject matter, you know, there's um there's one that happened about twenty eleven, I think it is. Um and this is known as a Baltic Sea anomaly. Right. So we're on the same sort of subject matter here, really, you mm -hmm. know. And this is a, just a piece. It was all over the place, but this is Inigo Gonzalez for Ranka. Cool name. This one. <laughs> and he says, back in the summer of 2011, Fox News released a relatively short segment on a mysterious object that some ocean explorers found in the Baltic Sea. Everybody was intrigued by the Baltic Sea anomaly mystery, and the story subsequently exploded on social media. And at the time, many speculated the object was potentially alien in origin, thanks to its circular shape, angular patterns, and the trench that appears to trail behind it. The trench trails behind Like it's scraping behind like it's on the seabed? Like it's it's on the seabed, but it looks like it's hit hard. Oh, gone got through, right, yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, like you would sort of like... Yeah. A, yeah. It's like the thing, isn't it? That landing exactly. thing. Exactly. That's exactly what this is like. So... Like, Right, it's not a great photo of it. Let me get the old goggle boxes on. That's what it looks like. The Millennium Falcon, you're right, I remember that new story. Yeah, that's it. Jesus. That's Has it gone that way? It's like it's like a reversed flight. That's it, that's the trench there. So it's like a, yeah. it's the wrong way. So basically, I will put this on our social medias, and if you want to sort of... Uh, God, you're right, I remember that one. So if you do want to, so we're putting this on our social medias. So if you uh, if you're interested in sort of getting in touch, having a little look at things, it's uh, Twitter at Crack and Cove, uh, Instagram it's at Crack and Cove Pod, and email is at Crack and Cove Podcast at gmail .com. And of course, if you just pop a Crack and Cove into Facebook, you will see amongst all other evils. Us. <laughs> I'm not on it. I'm, I have been on bloody Facebook for years, and oh, it's no, lovely it's and liberating. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's like it's absolute bollocks in it, you know. But it's exactly as you said, though, this uh, this particular object, and I've scanned it in a couple of different kinds of way, but it does look like the Millennium Falcon, mm. you know. And they haven't got really any explanation. I mean, I think the nearest thing I'll say is it just accidentally looks like something suspiciously alien-made or handmade, yeah. you know. Um, I, I'm not too sure myself. I don't know what the um, the Baltic Sea anomaly is, because really there's, it's all... Apart from what we can see, it's all conjecture, you know. Mm. They're saying that the rock appears to be man-made, and the sonar images of the anomaly certainly makes the unnameable rock seem out of place, spotting a circular shape with geometric ridges and right angles streaked across its surface. 
It doesn't look like it's been eroding underwater for centuries. That's what I mean. Mm. It looks just too sharp. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, un especially on the ocean floor, in the mm. in the area where it is, it's a Baltic Sea, yeah. stormy places. Yeah. You know. So seeing artists' renderings have given the anomaly more depth and life, and some even added additional details. Now that's the thing I'm, I'm all against. Yeah, you can't you be can't. doing shit like that. Drew Han Solo getting out, he's fucking having I mean, high fiving Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Stick Doesn't to the work facts. like that. But you know, for anything that it could be, I mean, it does look circular. It does look like it's got scrape marks. It does definitely look like it's just come crashing in from nowhere. It is a strange. Beast. It's kind of got. I won't say limbs. I don't know what the word is. You know, in one solid piece, in a disc, is it? It's definitely kind of got chunks and bits and. Yeah, it's got so yeah extraneous sort of like parts to it. You I'll know, do, mate. Cheers, <laughs> 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 kid. Waited that one out. Yeah. <laughs> But one naval officer, though, right, according to the Russian newspaper Pravda, that the anomaly isn't alien at all. Instead, they said it could be the remnants of a World War Two Nazi base. <laughs> oh yes, even better. <laughs> I want that timeline. <laughs> but this is part of the thing that was saying though at the time during you know anything. You know, for example, like the Foo Fighters and things yeah, like yeah. that. You know, people thought you know they didn't think to themselves it could have been spaceship. Everybody just presumed anything new or weird was just another mad na it, Nazi weapon, wonder weapons as well. Wonder weapons. Yeah, wonder. I don't know what you'd. I don't know what weapon would be. But yeah, Vonda, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's somewhat fucking crazy, isn't it? Cause but, he, yeah. well, he were pumping money into all that bollocks, wasn't it? Well, I think that's the, the issue you had with Hitler was. Obviously, he was Billy Bong Bong, so he, yeah. was, he was mad as a hatter. And the reason he was mainly mad was because he thought this was a God-given war. Yeah. It was a holy war, really, yeah. as much as anything else was it was World War Two. So he was putting fanatical... He thought, I have to win at any, any cost, but any cost to him it could be countless millions and billions. Mm, this yeah. is looted gold and all sorts he's yeah, putting into yeah. it. You know, So he was creating all these mad weapons, so people thought, well, what are we up against here? And so as soon yeah. as they saw some new mad craft glowing and flying around, they thought, well, of course, it's just one of Hitler's yeah, fucking new little trinkets. Yeah. But of course, then they... It was actually the... Um, uh, decoded messages that they'd found. Ah, nice. They were found that the Germans are having the equal hassles. Ah. They're sort of saying, "What the fucking hell is this lot flying yeah. around?" Then that's when we realised, "Oh shit, <laughs> it's somewhere else." <laughs> it's somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So the Baltic Sea anomaly for me, uh, I think it's Graham Hancock does a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, I like him. Yeah, yeah he's, he's an interesting books. kind of guy. At, I think he goes out a bit too far sometimes. So yeah, I know what you mean. He, yeah. he looks at things and goes, "Well, that's obviously an alien yeah, artifact." Yeah. And th that's where I'm putting the um, the Baltic Sea sort of anomaly. I'm yeah. putting that there as well. It's interesting. It's really weird. But until we see a sort of some sort of submersible go down, there and I've yeah. got a good fat nose at it. Yeah. I'm going to sort of like uh, sit on the fence. I think you can't count any cookies with that one. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just you can't lay that much pressure on it. But it's a great one to investigate. Pile some bloody, yeah. you know, one of them billionaires Musk or that other one. Yeah. Uh, to put, put a bit of cash into that because it is. It's yeah, like, well, it's, I take it it's a very deep down that one. It's yeah, it's really deep. deep yeah. I haven't got, got an exact measurement of what the depths are here. Yeah. So I don't have, but I do got a measurement for what the size of the item itself could be. All right. That's about 60 feet in dia diameter. And the trail, the trench behind it, yeah. uh, is 650 feet long. Wow. So that, that's, that's just like a little addition there. Could it be like someone that's fallen off a cliff and it's just pushing it with tide and it's creating the trench? You know? I don't know. I mean, one thing if you to ask me and stick my neck yeah. out about the trench is if you have anything... Say, for example, the tidal flow is going in one direction. Yeah, yeah. Then you put a big rock in the way of it. Yeah. 
and the floor is hitting this thing and yeah, it creates yeah. like an eddy behind it, yeah. behind ah. the rock. And I think that could create turbulence which could yeah. dig it up and, oh, and create know, the trench. So you didn't have to move it, it's just the turbulence behind yeah, it. So it's yeah, so it's stay, stay, that'll remain stationary, but yeah, that yeah, it just sort yeah. of yeah. whirls around it, creates yeah. whirls and eddies behind it. And you do get that even just with solid rock on, on Earth. You know? What a bit shit getting to the bottom of the sea though, aren't we? Like Cameron's done more than anybody else, it's just like... Yeah, this is true. Know, like we've fucking done a bit more with that, it's been years now. Now. Abyss is well old. I know, 1989, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Is. 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 Is
Hiroyu uh, Kishu, which is the second one, right? That's that's actually translates as diaries and stories of castaways. Okay, so cool. there's decent yeah. ones of that, right? And the Ume no Chiri, which is mm. the last one, which we'll dip in, we'll have a little nosy at a little bit as well. But it's it's, it's got the most beautiful name, and that means the dust of the apricot. <laughs> oh, God, they're really good at shit like that. They are, right? They really yeah. know their onions, do they? All, yeah. the, all their apricots, the yeah. Japanese, you know. <laughs> so from the Toen Shoshetsu, on February the 22nd, 1803, local fishers of the Hareyadori shore in the Hitachi province saw an ominous ship drifting in the waters. Curious, they towed the vessel back to land, discovering it was a 3.3 metre or 10.83 feet high by 5.45 metre or 17.8 feet wide and it reminded the witnesses of a kohaku which is a Japanese incense burner so once again I mean the studying of this is amazing I think its upper part appeared to be made of red coated rosewood while the lower part was covered with brazen plates obviously to protect it against the sharp edged rocks the upper part had several windows made of glass or crystal covered with bars and clogged with some kind of tree resin, so it was sealed. <laughs> the shape of the hollow boat resembled a wooden rice pit. So I think I'd imagine a rice pit is some sort of like container or yeah, something like that. They'd keep rice in, too. yeah. The windows were completely transparent and baffled the fishermen as they looked inside. The inner side of the Utsura Bune was decorated with texts written in an unknown language. The fishermen found items inside, such as two bedsheets, a bottle filled with 3.6 litres of water, some cake, and this is a weird one, and some kneaded meat, as in it had been sort of like, you know, pummeled a bit like um, a softened like bread yeah. dough kind of thing. Then the fishermen saw a beautiful young woman, possibly 18 or 20 years old. Her body size was said to be 1.5 metres, or 4.92 feet. Yeah. So she's just under 5 feet tall, she's only a little one. The woman had red hair and eyebrows, the hair elongated by artificial white extensions. The extensions could have been made of white fur or thin white powdered textile streaks, so little ribbons of some wow. sort. Yeah. This hairstyle cannot be found in any literature. There's no talk of it in any other culture. God. The skin of the lady was a very pale pink colour, and she wore precious long and smooth clothes of unknown fabrics. The woman began speaking, but no one understood her. She did not seem to understand the fisherman either, so no one could ask her about her origin. And although the mysterious woman appeared friendly and courteous, she acted oddly, for she always clutched a quadratic box made of pale material and around 0.6 of a metre or 24 inches in, in size, that's about two foot. Yeah. The woman did not allow anyone to touch the box, no matter how, how kindly or pressingly the witness asked. An old man from the village theorised, this woman could be a princess of a foreign realm who married at her homeland, but when she had an affair with a townsman after marriage, it caused a scandal and the lover was killed for punishment. The princess was banned from home for she enjoyed lots of sympathy and so she escaped the death penalty. Instead, she might have been exposed in the Tsumuro Bune to leave her to a destiny. Now, this should be correct. The quadratic box may contain the head of the woman's deceased lover. In the past, a very similar object with a woman was washed ashore on a close-by beach. And during that particular incident, a small board with a P 
pinned head was found. That was a different incident, yeah, but you yeah. know. The content of the box could therefore be the same, which would certainly explain why she protects it so much. It will cost lots of money and time to investigate the woman and her boat, since it seems to be tradition to expose those boats at sea. Oh, and he says, and we should bring the woman back to the Atsuro Bune and let her drift away again. So in some parts of the story, they say that, you know, they put her back to sea, but yeah. in a lot of the versions, they say, the lady from the hollow boat stays where she is landed and grows to an old age. Uh -huh. no, but like you say, so there is other parts of the story where they, they put her in the boat and set her adrift again, you know. From the Ume no Chiri story, they've got their own little description as well of it, so that's what I'll kind of concentrate on, it's the descriptions Ooh. that's what we're after, you know. So they said that in the other story, the next story, the same day we've got yeah. in this one as well, and it reminded the witnesses of a, a, a rice cooking pot, and around its middle it had a thickened rim. And it was also coated with black paint, and it had four little windows on four sides. And the windows had bars that were clogged with tree resin, again the tree yeah, resin. Yeah, yeah. And the lower part of the boat was protected by brazen plates, which looked to be made of iron of the highest western quality. And again, they've got the size dimensions, which is about the same. Now, they've got the woman described as being of 20 years old and a body size exactly the same as the first Whoa. story, 1.5 metres, and her skin was white as snow. And again, the hair dangled down her back, but her face was of indescribable beauty. Wow, that's it. So the dress of, of, they didn't know what she was wearing. They couldn't, I mean, these are, this is Japanese textiles. They know yeah. the best textiles. They couldn't recognise what it was made of, right? She spoke in an unknown language. Again, she carried the box. Inside the boat, two unusually soft carpets of unknown style and fabric were found, and they were supplies such as cake, kneaded food, and meat. So yet again, this same sort of like same all the same stuff was in the boat. Yeah. So yeah, so actually the stories all tally up. All three stories really do tally up there, you know, in one way or another. Yeah. You know, the dates are almost the same. And the good thing about this is they actually have. Paintings, each of the three stories have cool. got their own pictures. So, would you like a little I look? I love it. Get the x rays on. There you go. Oh, wow. Now, the interesting thing is, which is what you brought up, and I'm, I know we have mentioned this on Crack and Coat before, but I think it was the Rendlesham Forest incident, wasn't it? Yeah. Where one of the guys there had some sort of like mad occurrence and he, he, he started to see symbols, didn't he? That's right. And, so and it was the yeah. symbols off this. That he was seeing. Whoa! It's off this particular craft. He saw these symbols and the writings right. inside, and he actually, in 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 like almost like a fit of automatic writing, he copied all these symbols down. He was seeing in his head, and they matched up with what was oh inside. Oh my joking. No. that is crazy. Absolutely mad, isn't it? Well, like high Brazilian or involved in it. Bit of a Bure in third one, though, isn't she? Isn't she not looking <laughs> there? No. Well, if you <coughs> if you actually look at the the style of her face. Um, that in the drawing, I will put all these drawings up as well for, on the uh, on the socials. She's got the style is drawn as if what's called a kabuki actress of the time, hmm. which was the worst sort of slightly grotesque anyway. And that look in the Japanese style was considered very beautiful, even though right, to our right, eyes right, yeah. it looks kind of a bit wonky. Yeah, you know? Like a fish <laughs> monger's wife. Yeah, <laughs> they, they don't look particularly pretty, but you know these the. But it's the drawings of such an alien sort of seeming craft. Because the craft is just nothing of this world, is it? It's yeah. just so bizarre. We wouldn't have anything. God, you, you know, you think 
one did it come down, but did the other one, did it come up from the depths? You know, like well, that's what my thoughts are a little bit more. Uh, it's almost as if that's why I'm saying there's other legends concerning the Utsurobune. And it says, a well-known Japanese legend is the origin of the Kono clan in the Iyo province. And in the 7th century, so this is like wow. 650s or whatever it is, a fisherman named Wakegoru from the Gogo Island found a 13-year-old girl inside an Utsurobune drifting at sea. He brought her to land where she told him she was the daughter of the Chinese emperor and that she had been forced to flee to escape her stepmother. And the fisherman named her Wakahime, or Princess Wake. So it's almost like the Wave Princess. And raised her before she married an imperial prince of Ayo province and gave birth to a son named Ochimiko, the ancestor of the Kono clan. A part of this folktale held that she was responsible for bringing the first silk cocoons to Japan Ooh. and Princess Wake is still worshipped at Funakoshi Awakahime a Shinto shrine in the village of Funakoshi on Gogo Island I'd like to go to Gogo Island <laughs> <laughs> well there is some again there is something to be said of the era that this actually occurred yeah. and when silk did arrive from China Jeez. because the silk cocoons of course are from the silk moth yeah. and so the moth has to hatch from the silk cocoon yeah. and then they have to know how to sort of care for that particular moth yeah. and it's only thing it'll live on will the silk cocoon if, off the top of my head is the white mulberry tree if I believe correctly wow. right? and that's where they have to cultivate these particular moths so it's yeah. like you can have the cocoons but if you didn't know what to do with them you had completely yeah, screwed yeah. you know you'd have to have that help silk I just still don't get my head around silk no it's mental in it you know what I mean but it's like um, I don't know if you ever if you ever go to um, Whitby Museum mm. And if you ever walk up, right, because it's like on a hill, and you walk yeah. up to the top of the hill, right, before you get to the top of the hill, I hate to just do this to the poor people who own this house, but it's quite a wonderful thing that they have. Hmm. On the left-hand side, as you're going up the hill, there's a lovely tree there, in, ah. just a, a, sort of at somebody's garden, and it's beautiful, and if you go at the right time, it's a white mulberry tree. Oh, wow. And have, have you ever tried mulberry fruit? Yeah, I think I have a wine or something. Yeah, you might have had mulberry wine, but yeah. mulberry, the fruit itself, is just like a big raspberry. Oh, yeah. And you just get thousands of them on it. <laughs> and then I just think that's the, it's my favourite fruit, is a mulberry. Because, Ooh, well, because well, it's mulberry just, tree on the cove now. <laughs> well, it's a salty weather what allow. Oh, it's all right with me yeah, somehow, yeah. but not yeah. here. Can't <laughs> fuck all here. <laughs> Can't get a garret grown. <laughs> But yeah, so the uh, so it seems like this the Utsune Bure, uh, the Utsurobune, it seems to be a deep part of their culture, but only in a way that still is enough to sort of alarm them and amaze them. Yeah. yeah. So though the, these stories that we might have, you might hear about in their history and their cultures, it's still when they come across it, it freaks them the math wow, out. Wow. Yeah. Because you know it it's is such something a mystery, too weird. So weird yeah. yeah. And especially it's it's the one that it's the bottom one with the symbols on it. Yeah. One, and those symbols are ones were that came from the Rendlesham Forest incident God, as well. What What's that? Yeah, but I, I'm more inclined to think this is something that's, that's arrived, which is not necessarily from another country, because nothing else has created it. it doesn't match, it. does it? Yeah, it, it totally doesn't match, match up. It basically just looks like a little floating flying uh, saucer. An island's a long way away, isn't it? You know, like the, the pale ginger-haired lady. You know, you can't think of another culture. Well, those, those straits that they have to get across from those countries yeah. as well. You know, you, you don't get in a little wooden boat as exactly. easy as that. Yeah. The only way that you can compare that to is perhaps if you went back to our little stories, the monks going across from little coracles. <laughs> exactly, yeah, you know, it's true, actually. Yeah. Just, yeah. just yeah. That's too far, isn't it? Yeah, no, so it's, it's very strange. It is only Celtic with ginger-haired, isn't it? Well, no, 
because one thing they do argue with is that the red hair gene is quite mm. common on the Russian side uh, of things you could right. have, you know. So play. that's another theory is that it could be sort yeah. of like of Russian origin of yeah, some sort, yeah. you know. But even so, you don't know. But I mean, th there was a race that did uh, did dig up a race of giant women yeah. uh, in India. Oh, which had red hair. Wow! And and that was that was a mystery. It's never been solved. I don't know where they came from genetically or anything oh. like that. You know, so you, you never know. It could be of this sort of origin yeah. itself because this is like I said, best wedge of a thousand years old. This story. That's it. So yeah, so that's the that is the legend of the Sura Bune. So wow. we don't know. It might have come from the bottom of the seat. Might not. Uh, but popped um, up, wouldn't you? But then I just realised. Then um, I've discovered the problem. Or should I say, I've solved the mystery of the lights in RC. Oh, is it? Well, I was doing a bit of shopping for Christmas, you know, for all, um, all island friends and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. You know what I mean, I realised all dolphins wanted head torches <laughs> this year, didn't they? <laughs> oh, they did. It were a bit of a craze, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I forgot about it. It was all dark down there, something down there with head torches on. Squeaky bastards. At least they're happy, though. Yeah, they're having a good fun down there, aren't they? You know, God knows what they're up to. I'm glad I'm not looking at them now. No, well, as long as you, you just stay clear of those. Yes, you know, yeah, definitely. You stick your ball down. <laughs> exactly. I'm going down that alleyway <laughs> again. <laughs> so, right, we're going to be as, uh, more regular now, I think we yeah, are. Yeah, I think we are. We're more yeah. regular if we can. We'll see where we are. But uh, thanks for everyone inquiring about um, where the fucking hell we were last week. <laughs> 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 but uh, we're all we're all back on we're back on track now. So yeah, it should yeah. be a bit of a sweeter voyage in 2022. It's the year of the cove, by the way. Yeah. I'm predicting it's the year of the we, cove. We think this. We think it's going to be the year of the cove. So all I'm going to say now is a big bye bye from Matt. Well, it's a bigger bye bye from Benny. <laughs> Take care, guys. See you guys. There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at Crackencove or Instagram at Crackencovepod. Ha ha!